0: In today's episode from Talent Savvy, we're talking about how layoffs at Tech Giants are impacting recruiting practices, starting from a recent Forbes article that tries to connect the dots between forced talent movements in the market and how recruitment responds to it. I am joined by two excellent voices in this space, Marlise and Chantel, to use our joint experience for a healthy debate and set some direction in navigating these choppy waters. Welcome to Talent Savvy, the podcast that inspires you on all things talent. From Berlin, my name is De Kesko.
1: From Toronto, this is Marlies Farrell,
0: and I'm Chantel, coming from the UK. Welcome, both of you. It's so exciting to have an all- women podcast first time we were doing this okay great (laughs) i had to say it (laughs) very exciting we are talking about the impact of massive tech layoffs on recruitment practices and it all started with an article on forbes which we will link in the notes it is a bit of an advertising type of article for a recruitment business take that with a pinch of salt but there are a few points that really got our wheels spinning and we wanted to talk to you all about it Marlise, the article speaks again about, let's say, the, the excuses that different leaders are giving at this point and kind of taking it all in, like, I'm responsible, I made these decisions and we overhired and yes, sorry. <laughs> but we've seen this before. Tell us a little bit maybe of your experience with this type of anomalies, let's call them like that in the market. And what do you think about the current situation?
1: I think the current situation is really a result of poor workforce planning. And I think as the article points out, we need to stop being so short-term with the way that we plan our workforces. And we really need to think, what will this person do this year, next year? And if you don't know, that's a great opportunity to hire contractors. We don't need full-time folks for opportunities that aren't going to be longer term. So, it really brings to mind the fact that a lot of these organizations haven't done a lot of workforce planning. And I've worked at companies, once worked at a tech consultancy that did no workforce planning and later had a large layoff. But I think a lot of these companies have really just not planned and not thought long term. And now we're seeing the results of those actions.
0: This is so interesting. You're saying that I was reading in another article. Uh, I think the new recruitment threads from Coderpad, um, it's really interesting, specifically for tech but there was the um, small snippet around the requirement they ask for contingent tech workforce grew from last year which was about 45% to about 65% this year and i think that's a good trend to to what you're saying right if you know you can't see beyond 12 months or 24 months in your workforce planning maybe you shouldn't necessarily commit to you know undetermined contracts and and promising that Things that you can deliver. Really interesting. Chantelle, when we kind of went into, hey, let's de- debate this article, you were really triggered. And I was like, you jumped on it. I was like, I, <laughs> she has something.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just super passionate about our talent functions becoming more than just being accountable for delivery of live roles. I'm just really passionate about it. I think there is so much value to be had. And to be given to the leadership team and the whole business from a a talent function, whether that's, you know, a a rebrand from talent acquisition to to people, you know, that's semantics. But I think we have a a wonderful opportunity during downturn markets to showcase what else we can provide to a business. You know, I'm a big believer that during these quieter times, it's a really wonderful opportunity to develop our attraction pieces. To look at workforce planning and succession planning, I believe that is a really big piece of the puzzle that can make us more sustainable when we are growing. We should be looking at our data and how we can better utilize that. We should be building talent pools. I just see so much room for opportunity. And I'm not really known to be the optimistic person. So it's rare for me to, to, to say that. I think that's just a wonderful time for our teams to upskill themselves and develop their own careers and have the opportunity to learn more, whether that's through rotation of a business or actually staying within our team and and running side projects. So yes, when you put it in, I was really excited to be a part of it because I think during COVID, the, the COVID kind of era, we... We saw some talent teams do this, and I really would love to see more people do
0: it now, just to make us more resilient for the future. So Chantelle is seeing the silver lining. I'm like, I'm not in the same mode like you are, so I'm taking all that in. To be honest, <laughs> there are some very interesting effects. Like I think we can all think of the long term: what's going to happen with all this engineers, but what's going to happen with all these recruiters, right? There is a very immediate downstream effect when we lay off, I don't know, workforce for different type of nature, but in the same time, organizations stop hiring, even like definitely growth, but sometimes even backfills and so on, right? So those talent acquisition teams are immediately impacted. Unfortunately, we are seeing this left, right, and center. I personally, I'm seeing a very quick effect on losing what we would call institutional knowledge, whether about the relationships that were built throughout the uh, different organizations or markets, but also process weakening, right? Like there is a certain, you have your points of contact, you have your owners, you have people who have driven certain initiatives and all of a sudden they're not there anymore and there's no like thoughtful process time for any handover as well so I I'm very fearful in a way that the fabric of quality the maturity of certain organization from a talent maturity perspective is gonna weaken and this relationship has always been a bit tricky between businesses and ta uh, the trust factor I think is going off the radar here and there I'm very curious what you think like the particular let's say impact on the individuals but also teams what do you see happening when people just disappear right from the conversation.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's, you know, we've gone through some TA layoffs at Pinterest, and it's been sad to see, of course, suddenly your colleagues aren't there. And there's definitely a emotional impact on the team. As well as the teams they've supported. So for example, you know, maybe I first was supposed to be doing tech hiring at Pinterest. I now hire for all roles in Canada. So that also means there's a variety of hiring managers who maybe had other points of contact who now have one point of contact because everything has changed. And people get used to people. I also think you may have had specialty recruiters, and now we're going to see a lot more generalists just due to the nature of how big the teams are. And that's a huge change because you might have had somebody who is a specialist in, let's say, DevOps, who knew that business inside and out. But if they're now hiring for sales, they may not know sales inside and out. So they'll it will take them a longer time to build up that trust with the team as well because they're not an expert. So it's definitely a challenging time for the people left behind, as well as all the people in the market. There's a lifelong recruiter I know who was telling me the other day, I think I might go into sales because there just aren't that many roles in talent acquisition. So we're going to see a lot of talent leave our industry, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of uh, internal recruiters in the UK who are still going to be staying in that type of role, but leaving the startup and scale up space because they it's just too volatile a market. So I've seen a lot of people join the private healthcare industry because that's something that's growing reasonably well here in the UK so yeah that's something that we're seeing as well I definitely agree with you in terms of losing that knowledge that's quite a scary thing is that because we've always been like fairly reactive with things like onboarding and documentation, why do we think it's, again, just a general question. Why do we think it's, we have this risk now?
0: Even the article that we are pointing out to mentions this, like when you're in overdrive, right, you're hyper, you're in hyper mode, whatever you want to call it. It's not that you don't follow a process, but indeed, whatever changes or pivoting happens, you don't necessarily record it in real time. And I think a lot of this becomes ingrained and becomes actually the rule. So these type of exceptions or practices might actually be the thing that people do, but it's way off from the document that you built two years ago, right? (laughs) So I think because there was not this for some some teams right this time to do a handover if somebody leaves you actually like not forced leave you actually have the time to document and say we just need to update this before we we do an exit but uh, to Marilee's point this part of trust with the business people who leave and they they leave behind or they leave a gap in how we're dealing with the, the stakeholders or the market, I don't know, the candidate experience team, whoever is involved, right? There, there's always a journey with so many touch points and there is a breakage. And it probably will be temporary. That's what I think everybody hopes that is very short, but ultimately it destabilizes, right?
2: Yeah, we're starting to see green shoots here in the UK with confidence coming back, which is great. What we found during the, the tougher months of October, November through to now was a lot of teams reduced their TA function quite sizably and they kept those core people who, broadly speaking, they kept like a general person who could manage the entire day to day and then kept a tech specialist and that kind of you could scale up, scale down in accordance to the size of the business, but general DNA. And then they were asking people like, the business that I work for for advice on best practice on documentation because they realized that they had lost this and they didn't have the time because they're still doing some attrition hires to actually rebuild it so we would come in and say this is the kind of work that you can kind of take and white label and use for yourselves. We're starting to see now these green shoots and we're starting to see that companies are very nervous about hiring full-time TA teams again. And I wonder if we're going to see a more fractional approach to internal recruitment teams and it'd be interesting because we, we all are from different locations. It'd be really interesting to hear if that's what you're
1: seeing or if that's the way you think it may go with where you are as well. Yeah, I'm not seeing the bounce back in talent acquisition roles in the internal sense. But I was talking to some friends who own their own like recruitment shops or things like that, and they're they're busy. So I think the result may be that internal teams get smaller. But the, there is more use of agencies on an as-needed basis. That's what I'm seeing here. Now that said, I am in the tech industry, and I do think we are seeing other types of businesses grow. But talent roles aren't bouncing back in the same way. But there are lots of people operations roles. So there are roles out there. Exactly the same here.
0: Yeah. Super interesting. Okay. So it's not all doom and gloom, although we are looking at job loss, identity crisis, trust issues, psychological safety. It's a lot we're dealing with. Let's move into what are we doing about it, right? I think all of us are trying, one, for ourselves to keep a balance, to understand what do we do in this crisis situation? How do we enable different teams, different business owners to... Kind of move on, but move on in a maybe even more sustainable way. And I think all both of you have some very interesting idea. I would love to kind of dissect those a bit. Um, Chantelle, you mentioned a few a few things when we started this conversation. What would be your first thing? That okay, my team is now in a crisis. It's dismantled. It's looking at a different type of future. Maybe more generalist roles. Maybe a different type of approach. What am I doing first?
2: Oh, that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> for, for being on the fly, so. For context, for the audience, a lot of what I do is portfolio work. So that answer really would be different for each kind of client that I'm working with. What I would say is I'd always get those fundamentals in check. And I think two of the biggest pieces to be looking at and building ready for for that kind of foundation it is workforce and succession planning and internal mobility, just so that a business can be a little bit more reactive to market changes and a little bit more future proof. I don't think here in the UK, we necessarily have a good understanding of who our top performers are, who are you know critical top 2% are, if you think of them as the a famous McKenzie book. I don't think we have a good understanding of that. So how can we build more sustainable hiring if we don't understand what we currently have Properly, So I think that's the part that I would invest my time in exploring and working with the wider business on. You know, the article mentions about most of the time we hire to replace when we probably don't necessarily need to. I love the idea of bringing contractors in, you know, if it might not be a full time hire needed. So to give a broad answer, that's probably where I'd look to start.
0: But that's super interesting because ultimately, you say just know your audience. What type of organization is it, right? Like, what do they need? And maybe even just asking those leaders the right questions. In my practice, I try a lot to help them understand that there is a large distinction between hiring juniors versus hiring seniors. Duration of hiring in each country that you're in might differ, right? So if you're firing now, but if you're looking to hire again in three months, but it takes actually six months, like doing the math behind these things is super important. But then there is this very interesting underlying, right? Like you do a capacity planning, you do a leveling and kind of what's the scope for those type of roles. But then when do people land? When do people land on productivity, right? Because there is a ramp up period for everybody, if your onboarding is on point, and if the market conditions don't (laughs) change again, and if you have your ducks in a row, right? And then ultimately, how do you deal with change management, right? So there is all this conversation that is happening a lot before we even start hiring, before we even start considering talent acquisition as a solution to our problems, right? So Yeah, know your ideas, but that means ask a lot of questions. (laughs) Yeah,
2: knowing what you've already got, like if you have to replace, do you really have to replace that role? I'm not sure if we stress test that enough.
0: Right. It's a lot. Okay. So (laughs) um, I think a lot of the points in the articles are speaking to how do we become resilient and add value no matter the situation and Marlis you brought a little bit earlier the conversation around project work and using that as a ramp as a bridge or as a ramp right like you can bridge to the next period when you're going to go back to normal or you can ramp it up to something else that your career would evolve into what are you observing around you what are you doing what what's happening in this area and how can we actually take more of a of a direct approach than just test test a b test a b test a b test kind of situation because it's tiring especially in this context right
1: yeah i think one of the things that the article kind of talked about was how employees can add value to their business regardless of the circumstances and really being invested in that business itself so maybe that looks like ta teams doing rotations and helping out busier teams maybe that's sales maybe that's other teams within people ops, which can be an upscaling opportunity, I think, for our teams, because getting better at sales never hurt anybody. Uh, (laughs) And some of this will be temporary. And then other things are, you know, going to kind of what Chantel was saying, what are the processes or the people or talent practices you're going to need long term? So are you building up future talent pools that fit into that long term workforce plan that you're hopefully working on? What are processes? What are technology I'm seeing a lot of companies invest in less expensive technologies, there's an implementation period, how can your teams get involved in that and make sure that's successful and get everybody trained up on the process while things are like this so that when we're ready to grow quickly again, hopefully, deliberately and quickly that the team is ready
0: yeah and I think we we always talk about this type of rotational work. You do training, you do a new project you take ownership, but you might actually even slide in another department for a while and learn those skills or share what you're doing with those particular departments. My experience with this has been fantastic, like. Marlise, we've worked together in the past and we've seen people going from talent acquisition to project management for our team or from talent acquisition to data analyst from our team. And that person that I'm talking about actually is now doing design work. So uh, <laughs> things evolve once you kind of give people the chance. But my take here and my advice if you are working with this type of teams and you're, you're trying to practice with this concept, don't start just now or just don't do it just now. Rotational work or secondments are a wonderful opportunity in any state of the market. I know it's like, oh, I'm not gonna give you my best recruiter 30% of the time, <laughs> but that might bring everybody value actually on the long run, When especially when these things happen. I love that concept, I would love to see it more and we see it's really working. What can we bring to the audience around like explo- ex- exploiting the silver linings, whatever they are now? Sorry, just
2: a quick one to jump in. So out of curiosity, we don't see an awful lot of secondments here in the UK. So management consultancies are very good at doing it, but industry-wide, it's not very common. So I'd love to get your opinions on, is this something that you've always instigated the conversation or how have you created these opportunities for your team?
0: I can give my perspective here. Um, I think it comes from the individual first, in my experience. So doing this type of disk analysis, strength finder analysis, peer feedback, and taking that into what if... (laughs) You know, you're very strong in analytics. We know recruiters who are very data-driven. They're able to pull some dashboards in like no time. They're fantastic and just getting the right insights and conclusions. Would that be something that you would like to explore with actual specialists around you maybe (laughs) for a couple of months? Project management, the same. Like everybody has spikes, I feel. And that has been part of a one-on-one conversation around exploiting and exploring this, whether it's strengthening for your Let's say persona as a recruiter, or whether it's actually exploring different opportunities. But you're right when it comes to is the organization ready for that? And wherever I think in the past three opportunities, I've had the chance to kind of push for this, but it, there needs to be a pilot phase. So there is, let's say, an exchange between two departments that kind of makes sense to see this type HR and TA is a very like talent general and TA. It's a very natural one. But then business operations can be an interesting one, sales operations can be an interesting one, customer care can be an interesting one. So we could explore, at least in the organizations I worked in with, with Booking, Criteo, now Wayfair, um, we had the opportunity to exploit this type of options, but by showing that it's possible, not negatively impacting, because <laughs> that's the fear, and I think this idea of poaching is still freaking out a lot of people. Are you going to take my folks, right? And that takes a lot of education. But ultimately, I think everybody in very like one, two cycles of doing this, people observe the benefits and they see people happy and engaged. And that, that's double, double win in a way. That's my experience at least.
1: One of the things that I've seen in some companies in Canada is these part-time gigs, where essentially you can spend like 30% of your time doing something else. And then teams will post for gigs that they need and people can apply internally. Obviously, you need support from your manager and things like that. But I think that can be really, really helpful and a really good way for people to check something out in a low pressure way. They're not giving up their job 100% of the time, but they're helping out another team that maybe needs the work and your team may be a little slow at that time. But then I've seen other structured rotations. So for example, with it being a little slow, where I worked this fall, um, you know, we saw the IND team was really, really busy. And they posted for two positions for people in recruiting to temporarily join the team in a three-month placement and just help them through that busy period. And that was an upskilling opportunity for those recruiters who maybe weren't as busy. And then the IND team who maybe couldn't have gotten to new people got some help temporarily. So it
0: was kind of a win-win for everybody. Just for the audience, IND is inclusion and diversity? Yes. Yeah, all the, all of these things are, are super interesting. And I think where, where this might come also from is this safety piece, right? Whether it's psychological safety to talk to your manager about certain Wishes or opportunities, so it might come before crisis hits, <laughs> but definitely paying off for everybody down the road. Any, like we're we're kind of coming close to the end. I think Bas will tell us, hey, wrap it up. But no, we're gonna take our time. But any particular, I don't know, last pieces, wrapping learnings from the particular article or triggers that were brought to you by it.
1: Yeah, I guess just the final one word for me would be look at where your business needs support and see how you can leverage your skill set during this time. I think the best employees look for opportunities for their business and see how they can contribute to that. And that may be stepping into a slightly different role. That may be project work. That may be continuing with what you're doing, but look at what your business needs at this time and see how you personally can help with that. I think that's one of the ways that you can make yourself as indispensable as possible because we can't predict the future during this time.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. I don't think I can beat that. So many things, actually, I think that uh, we can do. But um, from my side, I feel I need to give a nudge to all those who are in, uh, have been through this before and maybe have some learnings that they could safely share for those who are new, right? I think we have a lot of new generations who have not been through this type of massive layoffs. So it's not just, let's say, maybe you're personally impacted or your immediate colleagues are impacted. But by talking to some of people who were impacted in our teams, there's also this market, this noise, right? This kind of almost black hole type of situation. Everybody's being absorbed and you really don't know when you're going to fall in it or not, which is scary. So it has helped a lot for those who have experienced this from either sides to just share, right? Like what is riding the wave how do we actually start moving forward what are the opportunities that we're we're gonna go through for those who have been impacted I think I've seen a lot of people saying I've started panic applying maybe that's not the best thing to do maybe just taking a step back getting some 360 feedback understanding your strengths even if you feel like you're not necessarily uh, you know valued at that point but really kind of falling into yourself and and saying what do I bring what are my strengths what are the things that I want to grow continuously And there's something there for sure. So, yeah, this type of conversation, I think, was was very interesting. And I think the article points a bit to it. It calls it allocentrism. Again, now I'm advertising for them because that particular organization has something to do with that. But it's an interesting concept. And I'm, I'm really taking it away with me now. I think hopefully the one thing that we can
2: all take away from these recent layoffs is how can we do things more sustainably next time, whether that's how can I have a more sustainable career, how can I run my business more sustainably, how can I hire for this business unit more sustainably. Hopefully that's the key message that we'll take moving forward and we'll keep evolving this industry.
0: Thank you so much, Marlies. Thank you, Chantel. It's been a pleasure.